0: Hello and welcome to the Ventureforth Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Mahavadivani. We'll be chatting with some of the most interesting founders, startups, and VCs about the experiences that led them to where they are today, what they're currently working on, as well as the journey ahead of them. Hello, VentureForth listeners. Today I'm excited to welcome Michael Berelsheimer, founder and managing partner of B Partners, a fund specializing in partnering with startups at the early stages of their business. Some of their notable pre seed and seed investments include Two Mogul, Indiegogo, TradeZ, TBH, and even Bare Naked Granola. Pre seed funding is a particularly interesting stage for me because it's by far the most risky, often with green founders making the pitch with little more than an idea on the back of a napkin. It's also a process that i 'm currently working through myself on this episode we'll explore p c dig into b decision making process as well as the evolution into partnering with blockchain startups without further ado i'm excited to welcome Michael to the show
1: Joe thanks for having me man i'd love to be here
0: awesome well i'd love to start by hearing a little bit about your background and your path to starting your own fund
1: yeah sure uh you know there's a lot of luck that comes into uh, into career building and uh I got crazy lucky uh, in my first angel investment when I was about 23. Uh, I invested in some buddies of mine that were starting a granola company called Bare Naked Granola, and uh, they had no no rhyme or reason to do it, had had zero industry expertise, and yet they were running through that fog of entrepreneurship that we all know uh, know very well now. and And so I said, "Oh come on, let's let's just let's join them." And uh, I made an investment. and Three and a half years later, they sold the company to Kellogg and and, uh, and did very well for themselves and, and for their investors. And so, you know, I was hooked. I, I, I caught the bug. I was done and, uh, and switched my career and, and uh, moved out moved back to California, where I'm from originally, and, uh, and started to build my network of entrepreneurs and designers and product people and engineers uh, to, to really, you know, start my career again in the world of entrepreneurship in general. And you know, dabbled as a founder, but uh, you know, Joe, I'm not crazy enough to be a founder, man. I, I am. Uh, I definitely like the investor mindset and, and being able to meet everybody that I do along the way and be able to allocate them to a company and to an idea to an opportunity. And so, uh, you know, investment and and fund management has been my calling, and and I'm I'm absolutely honored to to do the work that we're doing, especially at that pre-seed, which is so much fun.
0: So you mentioned that you, I guess, didn't come from the founder world. I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are on, I guess, first of all, the role of VC, but also on whether there's, I guess, what the the pros and cons are of having that operating experience before going into VC.
1: Yeah, you know, I actually started three companies before I uh, officially uh, held up my flag and said, yep, I'm going to be an investor and, and that experience was remarkable. We never raised capital. We put our pencils down every time. But those projects were instrumental in me understanding how, how, how unbearably, difficult, unbearably difficult it is to start a company. And, and so that empathy that we built in those early days really honed our thinking about the type of founders and the character of the founders that we wanted to invest in. And so you know, while I do think it's important to have operating experience, the reality is is that operating experience has a half- life that is accelerating even to this day. And so as great, as great as it is for founders to partner with uh, with former operators, the reality is is that once you're out of the operating game, you're out of the operating game. And so it's just important at the end of the day to partner with great people who uh, who you have high confidence will be there uh thick and thin uh through to the end and then beyond and it's a potential you know decades long partnership with that investor
0: that makes a lot of sense i mean i think that it's probably unlikely that no matter how successful a a jeff bezos or a mark zuckerberg or whatever become they probably wouldn't start another company again
1: <laughs> yeah that's, that's that's probably fair yeah although they're starting three companies at the same time now these, these days and have other managers it for them so uh yeah Yep. That is true. Um, so how big is
0: the fund and what are the typical check sizes?
1: Yeah, so we we've, we've evolved to the point where we're now writing uh, on average we're writing a half million dollar check to companies at inception. Uh, you know, sometimes founders come to us and they only want to raise 400. That's okay. We'll 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 certainly uh, participate and uh, and invest in those rounds as well. But you know, the typical pre-seed round these days is between 5 and a million, 500k and a million. And so, you know, we're leading the rounds, we're setting terms, we're serving as that, as that lead investor, and we're being really selective on the decisions that, that we do make. Uh, pre-seed investing isn't easy. It's, uh, it, it really is about finding uh, exceptional people to partner with and, and committing what our most important treasure is, which is really time, into each and every single one of these companies.
0: Definitely. You know, the various stages of investing can vary by investor and fund. Why pre-seed? What does pre-seed mean to you? I know that you know the different stages can mean sort of different uh, things to different investors. So I'm curious what your thoughts are.
1: Yeah, sh- sure. Well, the the seed has certainly become atomized, and uh, and there are a, a lot of different ways to to play the seed world. Um, you know, pre-seed is what we've been doing since the very beginning. I was one of the first investors in Bare Naked. I was the very first investor in TubeMogul mogul that went on to go public uh, 8 years later we were the first investors in Tradesy, in, in skycatch and and over half of the companies that we've invested in since in to date and you know to be able to have the opportunity to say yes to a founder when they're you know out there spilling their guts uh, to all these investors and trying to raise that round is so hard to raise because they're raising it on a promise they're raising it on an idea um, it, it's a it's a really exciting time for us. We we've embraced it. We 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 love the noise that comes with the pre-seed, and uh, we love the opportunity to to shape and mold to a certain extent the go-to-market and uh, and the work that the uh, that the founders are are doing. It's not without its risks for sure, but. Um, but at the end of the day, partner with great people. And that's why the name of the firm is Be Partners. It's about partnership with founders. So uh, you partner with great people, and, uh, and good things will come as a result of that.
0: Thinking back on the name now, that to, to become, I guess to become partners really really makes a lot of sense. I read that you originally raised the first Be Partners fund, I guess in 2008, at the, really at the height of the financial crisis and maybe the, the worst time to raise money ever. I guess why did you decide to do it then, and was it easy or harder than you expected?
1: It was much harder than I expected, Joe. <laughs> Not sure if I uh, if I would have done it uh, the same way uh, in retrospect, but it was very difficult to raise. You know, I'd been making a couple of angel investments after after finishing up at UC Berkeley at the business school there, and uh, and had made a few of angel investments and and realized that I needed to build a brand and and needed to build out a team and have really the the rigor of. Serving as a fiduciary on ba- on behalf of limited partners, rather than doing it, frankly, just out of my own personal pocket or building out uh, half syndicates. And you know, we had a commitment from the very beginning to have that the, the the ideal of the firm and our objective of being partners, of be partners on the wall every single day. And so that played a huge role in us deciding to go out and raise that ca- raise that capital, in spite of how difficult. It was uh, to do so, and you know we were very, very fortunate to have a handful of folks uh, commit really to, to to the team more than any, more than the uh, more than the strategy, um, and uh, we we're making able to make a go at it. And uh, you know, looking back on that portfolio, I think we're going to do pretty darn well, given the fact that we've got companies like Indiegogo and and Zapongo, Order Groove, Skycatch, TradeZ Tradesy uh, in there. It's it's a pretty exciting portfolio.
0: You rarely hear about companies raising their pre-seed funding, I guess, um, you know, not that you'd read much about it in TechCrunch. Usually it's like, oh, you know, some company raised their seed, right. um, but it seems like there's a growing number of funds exploring the space. Are more and more companies seeking funding at an earlier th- stage than they used to, or just not announcing the fund- the round publicly to stay stealth,
1: or is pre-seed simply the new seed? Well, that's a good question. I, I think pre-seed is the new seed. I mean, there's been a couple of manifesta- or events that have occurred. The the old seed funds of of 2009 through 14 have bumped their fund sizes up, and so now they're they're writing larger checks and 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 that's good. It's good for them, and and they they should be doing that. Um, so that's important. I think that uh, the the opportunity to raise. A small amount of capital, have some proof points, and and get some get some points on the on the board before going out and trying to raise a large round is is super important. And you've got some multi-time founders um, and some more experienced founders that, you know, frankly, are are interested in in pursuing their path without necessarily having to go through an accelerator as well. And and so you get some of those more experienced founders with deep market insights that say, "Look, I, I know what I'm doing." Uh, I, I don't. I don't need to do the beauty contest of a demo day in order to go out and raise capital. So there's there's a mix of activities that have really taken place to to see the to have the pre seed uh, manifest to where it is today. But you know, there's still founders going from zero to one. Right, they're still at that start point in the starting blocks, and uh, and they're not they're not going anywhere. That opportunity will always exist. The key question is whether investors are willing to to take that big bold bet and say yes to a founder at inception, in spite of not having product market fit and, and not having any customers and 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 maybe not even a, having a product to demo. And and for us at B Partners, we've gotten so comfortable with the stage. Um, I mean, when I first raised B Partners 1, we called it Genesis Stage Investing. It was all about that inception point. Um, and so we've gotten so comfortable with it at, uh, since inception uh, that, uh, that we've really carved out our own little niche here.
0: You mentioned that making these bets when there's a founder that's maybe more experienced and have deep market insights come to you and and that's a a strong bet at the precede stage. But then there's going to be a lot of the first time founders that have no product or traction. At this stage, I think the only thing to use as signal is really the team. But what is it that you're looking for in the teams, especially like if they're first time founders?
1: Yeah, I can't give away all my secrets, Joe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know, we're certainly focused on how founders answer questions. I mean, it's far more of an interview and and an evaluation of the potential partnership than it is necessarily of this being the path to to success. You know, we know that that path is going to change, and we know that there are going to be learnings along the way, and we just – uh, you know through the diligence process get comfortable with how that founder is going to respond to to the good and the bad um, and so you know in our diligence process we ask you know pretty pretty odd questions um, as to you know what they're what they've done in the past and and what their plans are where they're headed and through that process we're evaluating them and we're also uh, you know looking at the idea and the opportunity and seeing how big it potentially could get so it's really about about founder fit, like founder problem fit, and then and then B partners founder fit, and when those two happen, uh, we dive deep and uh, and get pretty close to, to making a commitment of those companies.
0: So pattern recognition is obviously important to VC in trying to identify whether it's through the interview process or their backgrounds. I noticed that on the B partner website that there was a I guess you draw a hard line with family founders, meaning like, I guess, husband and wife team, brother <laughs> and sister. <laughs> yeah. how, how do you weigh these patterns that may develop like pedigree, resume, et cetera, versus potentially developing biases? And I guess, why are family teams left on that hard line?
1: Yeah, well, you, we certainly do. We meaning investors, we we certainly create biases, whether they're accurate or not. I mean, everybody can point to Uh, specific examples of family teams that have uh, produced unicorns and so you know we we know that we're giving up opportunity as a result of that and yet you know everybody's got their own personal experience and and uh, i'd rather not partner with a with a team where you know the the boss has to make a hard decision and potentially fire a family member uh in those difficult periods so we we just aim to avoid that and it, it reduces complexity for us But, you know, pattern matching is important. As for pedigree, I mean, you know, we've invested in founders who are high school dropouts and spent two years being a, you know, a a minimum wage employee at Taco Bell. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter. Innovation comes from everywhere. And there are founders who demonstrate incredible grit in their previous lives that they look back upon as founders and use it as a source of energy. And so we, we aim to, to identify that and remind those founders of what that source is uh, because the roller coaster is, is intense, and it gets no less intense however large the company is. We want to be there for the founders uh, all the way through, an unconditional partnership with founders from, from start to end. I recently
0: read about the so-called implosion of early stage funding, specifically noting that seed and pre-seed stage deals are falling, even having in some cases. I think we're aware about the Series A crunch, but what is the source of this implosion, if it exists? And is it fewer early stage companies, less early money, rising valuations, bursting bubble, crypto, some other factor?
1: <laughs> a little bit of a, a little bit of a combination of everything. I mean, I, I, we we certainly see the reduction of volume. Uh, happening as a result of you know, angel investors having just a really you know, fat portfolio that has not become realized and become liquid. Uh, I think that's contributed to the malaise. Um, certainly, institutional managers moving away from pre-seed and demanding traction in order to make progress has contributed as well. And, and there's no doubt that uh, the crypto craze has contributed to it a- as well. So, you know, there there will be funding sources or always are funding sources uh, for exceptional founders and exceptional ideas uh, in regardless of the cycle that we're in. And, you know, the best feedback that I can provide to founders is just, you know, find find the right fit with your next partner and be patient when you're out there, essentially interviewing for that that long term partner that you're that you're aiming to build.
0: Makes a lot of sense. Um, so, with that, then, what is uh, B Partners investing themes and the focus? What kinds of companies are you looking for?
1: Yeah, so uh, about eighty five percent of our portfolio has been companies with a a business as a customer. So, it's generally speaking, enterprise SaaS and B two B opportunities. We've also had a deep focus on marketplaces and market networks. Ever since the beginning, I mean, our first investment in a marketplace was really Indiegogo and then shortly followed up by Tradesy. We, we've had a pretty high hit rate on the marketplace side of things. We've been pretty active in the industrial tech space, doing uh, investments in drone technology and 3D printing, enabling technologies, and, and even uh, dabbled in robotics as well uh, on that side. So that's been an interesting theme for us, and we expect that to continue over the next couple cycles. But, you know... Our job is to sit on that frontier curve of innovation and look ever outward over the horizon and find remarkable founders that are working on on new things. And so when we see that, we take a step back we slow down and we really evaluate those opportunities and and that's our responsibility as a pre-seed investor you know one one thing i'll add there is that what we do at b is is we trust our founders to have the deep market insight they know where the future is headed and we're there we're just really there to to be a support mechanism and to be a guide and that's an interesting construct relative to a lot of other fund managers out there that are really gonna believe the future is going to be one way and they go find founders that, that subscribe to that view. And that's just not our approach to be partners. We run under the guys that you know the founders know the way, and we're, we're there to support.
0: I believe you recently added the blockchain investment consideration under the Frontier theme. What prompted this addition and, like, what's your thesis? And ultimately, how are you evaluating these, these kinds of businesses differently than, you know, non blockchain businesses, especially as you just mentioned with founders and with Deep Market Insights? I mean, this is Wild West territory.
1: You know, it really happened about a year ago that we started to realize that we were on the cusp of a, an explosion of opportunity. And so, as a smaller fund, right, as an emerging manager, we have to be really mindful of the slots that we use for our, for our fund. We had some of our companies coming to us and saying, Hey, what do you think? You know, we're, we're interested in potentially raising capital using a, a utility token. And, and so, we committed as an organization to build a knowledge base and to build a network base so that we could properly evaluate opportunities. Uh, in in the cryptographic token space, and since we've done that, we have continued to learn every day. We're picking up another another tidbit and building out our frameworks to make specific decisions about opportunities. And this again, it goes back to the whole notion that the the founders are there on the frontier curve. Innovating and creating opportunities for potential disruption on various markets, we leverage our time that we've that we've spent already and our expertise around marketplaces and market networks. Um, and so, it should come as really no surprise that you know, given our expertise in the marketplace side of things, that that B Partners is active in the in the uh, in the cryptocurrency world.
0: And then to add the theme, then did you have to get approval from your LPs or modify your LPA?
1: Yeah, let, let's be clear there. So so you know we are we are not a a dedicated exclusive fund on blockchain by any stretch there is innovation happening in a, a lot of other sectors and 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 vectors and innovations and so we're we're really mindful to to not exclusively focus on that and we have good reason to not do so because of the 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 pattern matching and the IP that we've got around other sectors that Frankly, aren't going to be impacted nearly as much by decentralized ledgers, and so you know to be clear, we're absolutely not uh, exclusively focused on that. We're we're absolutely still in the business of partnering with founders and partnering with with syndicate investors and the like, who you know have different skill sets that they're bringing to to the to the guys. You know, it's been an education process on our LPS and, and part of our partnership model here at B. Is one where it goes the other way. I mean, with LPs, we we are a partner to them, and we're we're sitting on the cusp of innovation. And our job is to support them and, and help to educate them as well. So, in the process of us committing to some projects, uh, we have uh, we've been educating our LPs on the on the opportunity set
0: as well. Interesting. And so with these kinds of projects, then, because it is so, I guess, volatile, and I've talked to some funds, you know, some funds are doing equity investments, some are taking tokens as part of a SAFT. What is your, I guess, B Partners philosophy
1: on these kinds of deals? The primary philosophy is discipline. Okay, so, so we invest in five companies per year. And, and so we need to be responsible with the capital that's been pledged to us by our LPs, and not succumb to the hype that's around these particular companies. Um, so so that's where it really starts is, is responsibility and, and discipline. You, you know, there are incredible opportunities that may very well take the form of tokens. And they may take the form of equity. And depending on the type of company or the type of project that's being uh, developed, it may make more sense to hold one uh, structure or the other. And so we've become open-minded and flexible as to what we can potentially hold and, and how we can serve. But it, again, like, there's so many of these, of these projects where it's like a finance-only, take it, take it or leave it type of situation, and you know, that's just not going to be a good fit for us to be partners given our partnership model. So we're, we're not going to stray from our core thesis, and we encourage founders who are looking for that partnership approach to to come talk to us because we'd be delighted to have that conversation.
0: Definitely. So has the fund done any of these blockchain deals to date?
1: Uh, We have, and we're looking forward to sharing the news about those in the future.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm curious about how you evaluate blockchain businesses because you know some of them are going to have an ICO. I think you know many of right. them are aspiring right. to have an ICO. And blockchain-based businesses, they may have a huge um, liquidity event that you know they have an ecosystem worth a hundred million dollars, but you know maybe you want to invest at the pre-seed stage at like. Four million or something. Um, you know, how are you approaching that? You know, looking at these businesses because, I mean, frankly, the market's kind of crazy right now.
1: It, it is crazy. I mean, Joe, we we spent months trying to apply our existing frameworks for pre-seed investing to many of these opportunities, and and it just didn't work. Like it, it, it they they broke the frameworks that we had internally. Some of them broke, and so we had to start from scratch and really rethink how we are evaluating them. Um, we, we took some cues from my old days on Wall Street. Um, we had some, some folks who, who I you know, reconnected with over decades uh, coming in and, and giving us some, some feedback and insights um, from their perspective as currency traders and, and public equity and investors. And so it's been an interesting you know, last nine months where we've had to rethink our, our frameworks uh, about it. And it all starts with whether or not it deserves to be on the blockchain uh, more than anything else, right? Are, are you in a situation where you need a centralized trusted source and there's an opportunity to pull that trusted source out to reduce rent? And we start from there and then we peel the onion multiple times to uh, to really drive whether it fits for us at B. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, it's always really interesting for me to hear people's
0: strategies in approaching this because it is such early days, frankly. And so I've actually been seeing a lot of uh, sort of scammy looking companies oh, exactly. out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got another one for you. I got it today. <laughs> oh, mean, gosh. Every single day, it feels like we get one in the inbox, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah, I see them every day as well. It's, it's crazy. we we'll probably share notes on that uh, off, yeah, sure. uh, offline. But so what technologies or things do you believe that need to be built on blockchain or, you know, that you wish existed that don't exist today, but could with blockchain technology?
1: Oh, well, you know, we're, we're pretty excited about Edge here. And so we're, we're really looking for opportunities for M2M uh, to machine-to-machine payments and, and systems for that. So that's pretty exciting. Um, so come talk to us on that. We're still evaluating kind of pickaxe and shovel type of companies that are not necessarily built on the blockchain, but are are enabling technologies for the ecosystem to, to absorb and, and adopt. And that's another another area of interest for us. And, you know, frankly, with a portfolio of uh, nearly a dozen marketplaces, we're also taking those those cues and pulling them back into our existing portfolio as well.
0: Are you encouraging your startups to um, to explore blockchain as part of their businesses?
1: You know, we're, we're mindful of it being a, an enabling technology. And if it fits, great. Let's consider it and explore it. If it doesn't fit, then don't. And so we're pretty diligent about encouraging those, or discouraging those founders from falling too far into the rabbit hole in evaluating it. And, you know, what we're encouraging founders to do right now is, frankly, apply to a program that's being uh, hosted by us at B Partners. It's a blockchain awards program called the Frontier Curve Awards. And uh, it's going to be hosted by one of uh, blockchain's best, uh, Monero's Fluffy Pony. Uh, So Ricardo Spagnini is going to be the host. And so, if you have a blockchain business idea and can assemble a team with, you know, hopefully one member of the UC Berkeley community, whether you're an alum or a current student, we encourage you to apply. It's at, uh, you know, shameless plug here, frontierinnovation.vc.
0: <laughs> well, we'll get to the plug portion of the show uh, in, in a little bit, but, uh, and we can plug it again. But uh, I'm curious, actually, you know, this is sort of off track here, but. I'm curious about the crypto market specifically, you know, well, actually, no, not specifically everything, Bitcoin, Bitcoin cash, Ether, uh, everything's just going nuts. And, and it's been falling like crazy over the last week, wiping out billions of dollars worth of value. Given your finance background, what do you think is contributing to this? Is this just a correction? Is there something else going on?
1: You know, Joe, we don't pay too much attention about what's happening in the current markets, to be perfectly honest. I mean, we're focusing on the journey. So it's far better for us to spend an hour developing a, a new potential resource like a VP of sales or a, or a marketing expert or a, a, you know, a VP Eng for our companies and identifying that as, as an opportunity. And, and you know, it's boring stuff, but it's really, really important for us to continue to support our companies And so we don't pay too much attention to what's happening outside and the ups and downs of of the markets. Got
0: it. Well, I think that, you know, it's a good segue into our quickfire round that allows our listeners to get to learn a little bit more about yourself, uh, about you personally. And so I'd love to start off with uh, something I ask everybody about. What is your favorite book?
1: My favorite book is uh, Twenty Three Twelve. It's a science fiction book written by uh, Kim Stanley Robinson. It's just a fascinating book about interplanetary uh, development of the of the human species, and it's it's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> I think, uh, especially given yesterday's launch of the uh, Falcon Heavy, and there's a Tesla floating around above our heads right now. That that's pretty timely. That's really yeah. I'd be, I'd,
1: I'd be lying if I told you that I didn't watch it five or six times last night. So it was pretty sweet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you collect if anything, and why what do I
1: collect? I collect founders i mean come on you should <laughs> see, see the office here we got uh we got a you know a whole host of founders on the wall and it's something that uh that we're really honored uh to, to collect so uh founders i collect founders what's one thing that you
0: spend too much money on that you don't regret?
1: Oh, let's see. Well, my daughter's a bookworm, so I don't regret spending a dime, uh, another dime on a on a book for her, and uh, and then Legos because I got a little Lego monster at home. So uh, you know, I am not I'm shameless on uh, on buying Legos for her. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, Girl Scout cookies too because she's a she's a little Girl Scout girl. So I, I don't mind buy, buying boxes to to bump up her target.
0: Nice. What band or artist would you travel five hundred miles to see
1: <laughs> oh boy well my my cousin was the lead guitarist in a band called Seven Mary Three back in the nineties, and uh I wish he'd still play with him because I would definitely drive long, long ways uh to see him and and you know the one artist i I regret never seeing is tom Petty who i uh who I you know favor the most definitely. What
0: founders or investors do you look up to or admire?
1: Well, I mean, certainly Elon's got some guts. There's no question about that. Uh, we've got some founders in our portfolio that I look up to, given the hardship that they've gone through in both their personal lives as well as their portfolio companies. And it is an absolute honor when I get to spend time with some of the founders that are now uh, you know, scaling their companies. And so I look up to our own existing portfolio founders more than anybody else. Awesome. Well, we've arrived
0: at that point in the show where I hand over the platform to you to plug anything that you like again.
1: (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, you know, look, I mean, for founders out there, uh, we never pass because it's too early. Uh, Like that's not a pass reason and it's not an excuse to say no. So, uh, you know, the earlier that you are, uh, the more interested we probably will be in partnering with you. And so we encourage founders to come chat with us about their opportunities and their ideas and what their visions are of the future, e- even if you're not ready yet. I would like to build a relationship. For, for folks with uh, with UC Berkeley ties, we are the moderator of a program called Cal Founders. Uh, we get together once a month and talk about issues that we face as founders. It's, it's kind of like therapy for early stage founders, mm-hmm. Joe. And so go to calfounders.com. You can sign up there and and, uh, and you'll get on the mailing list and then uh last but not least we are hosting an event Called the Frontier Curve Awards 2018. It's all about blockchain. So if you've got a blockchain business idea and uh, have a team or can assemble one with at least one member from the Cal community, you can apply. We've got some folks waiting in the wings who are part of Cal. So even if you're not a Cal member, uh, we can we can place you with a with another uh, another person who's interested in participating and joining a group as well. So applications are open and they're going to close end of February. So Apply soon, and that is www.frontierinnovation.vc.
0: Nice. Well, Michael, I'd really like to thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I've been a huge fan of B Partners for, gosh, years now, and, and really been following the fund and, and your progress. And it's been a really exciting process to get to know you and really appreciated your sharing the B Partner story as well as digging into the blockchain with me today on the show. Again, thank you so much for sharing your story today on the Venture Fourth podcast.
1: Go Bears!
0: (laughs) If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to the Venture Forth podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can also follow at Venture Pod on Twitter for our latest updates. As always, I'm your host, Joe Mahabutivani, and thank you for listening to the Venture Forth Podcast.